0: Welcome to The Double R Show, the podcast that features everything about North Lincoln County. The Double R Show directed and produced by Paul Robertson and hosted by the voice of Lincoln City, Roger Robertson.
1: Podcast number one, our first guest, is State Representative David Gomberg, a gentleman that I've known for a lot of years, long before you became State Representative.
2: Oh my goodness, Roger. Well, first of all, let me say that it's a pleasure and an honor to uh, to be the, your, your very first guest here. And yeah, you and I go back uh, a good 35 years, not our first time recording together, but uh, but I think the first time is when you were actually doing local news here yes. in Lincoln City for what was then Channel 10. Yep, TV 10, as we watched the numbers slide off the wall. Well, that was a long, long,
1: long time ago. Session just ended, but David, during the course of the session, you made this statement, and I've heard you make it several times. It's either going to be the best or the worst. What was it?
2: You know, at the end, it was pretty darn good. Okay, but uh, but there was a time when we weren't sure that anything was going to happen. We weren't. We were in the House every day working. We met, we debated, we amended, we voted, and we sent bills over to the Senate. The Senate just couldn't seem to come to a working. Uh, relationship with each other, and so a third of them walked out. They just left the building, uh, refused to participate in in and um, the floor sessions, and that meant that nothing was happening over there. It meant that no bills were passing, and so by the time we got to uh, the middle of June, there were more than 300 bills backed up in the Senate waiting for a vote, and these are bills dealing with our budget, bills, deals dealing with our economy, bills dealing with critically important issues like, like homelessness, housing health care, funding for our schools, uh, developing our economy. All that stuff was bottled up. And at the end of the day, passed out in the last 72 hours. Tough. Well, you know, and we were, we're sitting in the house watching the bills that we'd worked on for yeah. months and years, waiting to see whether they were going to be able to come mm-hmm. to a compromise and eventually a consensus that allowed them to come to the floor and to uh, to do the, the state's business. Did there come a
1: time during the course of that... Uh period that you want to say to heck with it?
2: Well, no, I, I always had confidence in the Senate, confidence in the process, confidence in the people there. Right. Well, look, I understand the walkouts. I don't like them. I don't support them. But I understand that, that there are issues that are so important to each of us that we would use any tool available to advance them or to stop them. I mean that's what the walkouts are about. In the last five years we've had seven walkouts about about climate change, about COVID regulations, about redistricting, about school taxes. And this year it was about abortions, guns, and and whether or not an eighth grader can read legislation and understand what it says. Those that's what the walkout was about this time. The question is Should we allow tools to be available that a small group of people can shut down the entire process because they're not happy about one or two contentious bills? And my answer to that is no. And I think that that's where reasonable people land and that they were going to come together at some point and call off this uh, this obstructionist effort and get back in and get the work done. Now, at the end of the session, they were moving at what I call lightning speed. They were running bills at about every three to four minutes to get everything done. That's not good governing. That's and, really not good government. Well, it's not debate. It's not mm-hmm. cl- uh, uh, rational thinking. I mean, look, all of these bills have been through committees. They've been voted on in the House. It's not that they weren't vetted. It's just that banging them out one after another after another to get through the backlog is not the best way to handle government. And that's that's a disappointment.
1: The session brought home a lot of money to the district, or you brought home a lot of money to the district again. And it does make a significant difference. Talk about some of those crowning developments that, that are coming home to Lincoln County uh, and to your entire district?
2: Well, you know, we've done well here. Uh, we've done well. Um, last time around, people will notice that we got money for the Cultural Center and sure. the work just being done at the Plaza. We got money for a new Welcome Center at the D River. We got money for the new park in Taft. That's just here in Lincoln City. I mean, We also brought home for the port of uh, of uh, Newport and uh, and money in Toledo for a new fire station and the docks in Depot Bay and water systems in Walport. Seventy Million dollars in the last four sessions and this session I think we repeated that success. You know how do we do that? Well, you know, I'm using my seniority mm-hmm. and my my position in the legislature as co-chair of uh, the Transportation Economic Development Committee and vice chair of Ways and Means. I'm using my experience and my knowledge of the process and a little bit of legislative guile which is to say Let's actually ask for stuff. They're not going to give it to you if you don't ask for it. And once you ask for it, you've got to you've got to stay on board and keep working it from day one till the very last day. This time around, we've got the money that Depot Bay needed to finish repairing their right. docks. Those things are getting ready to fall apart. Their economy in that little town is going mm-hmm. to collapse if their, their their docks don't work. We got them the money to finish that job. We got money to connect the sewer system in Walport to a set of new industrial lands so they can start building new businesses out there, including including, by the way, the uh, the new uh, animal shelter is supposed to be at that area. So we're going to make sure they put the the, the animal shelter in. They're going to be able to flush the toilets. Um, we Rather got, important. We got money for for Monroe and Philomath that are now part of my legislative district. All things that are critically, critically important. And oh, by the way, we got bonding authority for the community college $8 million in bonding authority. So they're going to be putting a measure on the local ballot asking for enough money to finish up that program and create a, a trades center teaching local students the skills they need for local jobs so they don't have to go somewhere else.
1: And there's many of those just begging to be filled.
2: Well, I mean, we hear that every day, how many hiring vacancies there are Certainly. in everything from health care to construction to, uh, to the police force. Yeah, we need more people locally. And, and you start uh, addressing that by training people locally who want to stay here.
1: About to run out of time, I want to ask you, the crowning point you think the most important piece of legislation that went through the House and Senate this uh, past legislative year was what?
2: Well, I mean, you certainly got to point to big things like a billion dollars more for public schools and uh, trying to address housing and uh, and homelessness and behavioral health. I'm proudest of, a, of a, a project I put together with a group of rural Legislators, both Democrats and Republicans working together to address rural economic development. We're going to help small farmers. We're going to help the fishing community. We're going to help small businesses, outdoor recreation, county fairs. That was a $70 million package that we moved through the legislature. It passed the Senate on the, uh, on the final day. It's going to make a difference in local economies and local lives.
1: David, appreciate you being here. Our very first guest on our very first podcast. Again, congratulations on it.
2: Good, you're just completed. Just completed a day or so ago, and Roger, I look forward to being back with you.
1: David Gomberg, state representative, has been our very first guest on on the podcast. I had an opportunity to listen to him at the Chamber of Commerce luncheon on uh, Tuesday, uh, talked about many of the same issues, and now you're back on the circuit, if you will, visiting all of the communities you represent.
2: Showing up with annoying frequency, Roger.
1: (laughs) David Gomberg, we'll be back right after this.
0: Have an old or failing septic system? Northwest Septic Service has innovative training and equipment that can rejuvenate failing septic systems for a fraction of the cost to replace it.
1: Northwest Septic Service drain field rejuvenation can extend the life of most septic systems, saving you thousands in replacement costs.
0: Go to NorthwestSepticService.com or follow us on Facebook for the latest.
1: Northwest Septic Service serving the Central Oregon Coast and Western Willamette Valley. Find them on Facebook and tell them Double R sent you.
0: Northwest Septic Service. Innovative training and equipment. I'm
3: Adina Zeller. Zeller's is now in two North Lincoln County locations. The original Zeller's in Rose Lodge and now Zeller's in Lincoln City, formerly Maxwell's. Zeller's with great family food and kick and fun like our line dancing. Just wait until you try our homemade clam chowder.
1: Our next guest on our very first inaugural podcast is State Senator Dick Anderson. Welcome. Thank you, Roger.
3: And very first,
1: I appreciate it. We have known each other for a lot of years. And it seems to me that in all of those years, your mainstay has been on housing. Is that a good assessment? Good assessment. It remains to be, even in the uh, State Senate.
4: I'm vice chair of the Senate Housing and Development Committee, so... uh, you know, yes, it's very, very important to me now. And when I was mayor and all my time in local city government in Lincoln City, uh, even see the fruit of uh, some of those efforts. Where now. does it come
1: from? What does what come from? The desire for housing Home. in uh, working
4: on those type of sure. issues. Uh, primarily because that was my profession uh, when I say I, I worked for a paycheck. Uh, 35 years in the field of real estate finance so it's always been around real estate and in the later years exclusively in housing and affordable or hard to place type housing for individuals and then you know really uh, I retired from that relocated to Lincoln City and uh, as I got involved in local government I started seeing the negative impact of not having enough housing, and I think that's prominent uh, on the coast, not just in Lincoln City, but all types of housing, all price points, rent points, sales price levels. It's uh, not healthy for a, a community, and certainly not healthy for businesses that mm-hmm. are trying to recruit folks. And we've we've felt the effects here with whether it's the school district or the hospital, even the city, of not having housing available for people that they've attempted to bring into our area for employment.
1: We'll talk uh, what happened in the last legislative session a little bit more in, in reference to housing, but the number overriding issue that uh, you were hammered on all of the time, as was most Republicans, is the walkout. You didn't walk out. I did not. And if I can, it's referred to in the
4: press as a walkout. Uh, this one was much different than previous years. We actually referred to it as a pause because the, my fellow senators, uh, Republican senators, actually were in the building uh, most of the time. They did their committee work, so they attended uh, committee meetings. They were involved in all areas except for the floor sessions when actual bills came to the, would come to the floor and a vote was taken. Where previous years, they were just gone from the, the building and would be out and about. But for the 60-plus the days, they were they were around. So, yes, uh, I and one other senator, uh, were two of us were on the floor. I think in the six um, months, 160 days, I missed exactly one day out of that time from my Senate duties uh, in Salem.
1: The pressure on you must have been a... a-, a-
4: Just huge from both sides. It was. It was, you know, I played a role, um, because one, I should clarify that I'm a deputy leader in the uh, Senate Republican Caucus. They voted me into that position at the start of the session, which I took as a real privilege, because, you know, to me, from that caucus, it um, showed, I I think, a, a position of moderation that even my short tenure in the Senate and with them, they saw that I was available, made myself available, accessible to uh, across the aisle, as you would say. So my role in this was to be on the floor, to in essence uh, be the, hard for you to believe, Roger, but the pretty face, Um, (laughs) the good guy, bad guy. Sure, Um, I understand. The leader, uh, Senator Knope, was uh, clearly the bad guy. And I was on the floor as the good guy that leadership, uh, the Democratic leadership, the Senate President could access uh, mm-hmm. as communication. So there was a role there, and it was strategic as to what the caucus was doing. Speaking of the caucus, uh, you have a coastal caucus, correct? Lots of coast, lots of caucuses. Coastal caucus is actually individuals, both chambers, House and Senate senators and, uh, representatives that have their districts that have a piece of the ocean. There are seven of us, uh, interestingly, uh, six Republicans and one Democrat out of that, uh, seven. But when we get together, it's a, a, a unique caucus because we primarily deal exclusively with ocean kind of things or things that impact the ocean. So it's easy for us to lock up, um, be, um, agreeable on those kind of things, and when you think about, geez, seven people out of 90, that doesn't sound like a much of a source or a force, but when you think about every one of those individuals are on different committees, different chambers, we're talking to a lot of people, and it has proven to be one of the older caucuses and the more reliable and persistent, and uh, we've gotten actually quite a bit done. Everybody's got to agree, so all seven of us have to agree on the issue before we get behind it. So it's, uh, it's been a, a good, strong caucus, and one that I think the whole coast has benefited from. So what's next? Well, uh, I have spent uh, my time in the, the Senate actually expanding on what I was working on and saw as mayor of Lincoln City all those years, housing housing child care, the health cares, physical, mental, and behavioral, uh, oral health, and education. Those those kind of four areas have been my areas of, one, expertise, building on those, but really focus. And so, you know, I, as we talked about earlier, I've done a lot with housing, continue to do a lot with housing, and, and we can talk about those things later. Child care has been just as important. And actually, I have a bill that's waiting on the governor's uh, desk uh, to sign, which will be a first in the nation type of pilot program uh, specific for Oregon. But it's uh, garnered a a great deal of interest and attention that I'm kind of excited about.
1: We're going to have State Senator Dick Anderson back with us on our next podcast uh, as well, and we'll talk specifically about uh, some of the actions that were taken by the legislative session that just concluded. With us, State Senator Dick Anderson. We'll be back in just a moment. The busiest family in North Lincoln County, the Zeller family, correct, Adina?
3: Yes, that is true right now. (laughs) We are very busy. You
1: have two restaurants. I mean, you got the Zeller's out of Rose Lodge. you got Zeller's here now in Lincoln City. That's, that's a handful.
3: It is a handful, but I have a really good crew and good family, and we all work together and make it happen.
1: Making it happen food-wise, chowder is wonderful.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's homemade. And we came up with a recipe out in our Rose Lodge location, and it's the same at both.
1: What are the things that are in common between the two restaurants?
3: We provide breakfast on Saturdays and Sundays in the Otis location. We actually have our clam chowder, our steaks, a lot of our breakfast uh, items, and our, a lot of our dinner items. They're a lot the same, you know. We've got a little bit of country in everything, so we like the country style.
1: One of the things that happens here, at Zellers in Lincoln City, is line dancing. Tell me about that.
3: Yeah, every Wednesday night, starting at seven o'clock, it's free. We partner with Stephanie, and she comes in and teaches line dancing for an hour, and then afterwards, for about another hour, they get to practice what they learned. You know, and it's kind of it's a lot of fun. Wait for you to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm kind of a rock and roll guy, though.
3: Well, we could put some on for you. You know, uh, our music on Saturday nights, we get live music every weekend. Every Saturday night, we have a new band come in or one that people have previously loved. And some of them... They play some, anything from country all the way up into rock and roll. So we have a little bit of everything mixed in there.
1: You started out with a coffee shop. Now you've expanded to two restaurants. That's a lot of growth in what, two, three years?
3: Two and a half years, (laughs) yes, yes. So we started off uh, with a small coffee shop in Otis and we thank God for that opportunity. And then it just grew into getting our Rose Lodge uh, location. And lo and behold, we got lucky and got Maxwell, something that our families loved for many, many years.
1: Tell me about all all of the family involved in in Zeller's.
3: So my right-hand person is my son, Dean Zeller, and then my husband, Dean, and David, and then Charles. He's just part of it from a distance. He likes to taste the food. But but everybody's put a lot of hard work into this place, and it wouldn't have happened without our employees. So they they did a lot of work to put this new place together. We put a good, oh, three or four days into it, and then I just opened right up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of work it seems to be a lot of fun and you enjoy
3: it i absolutely do i've done it all my life and we're locals here born and raised so my family just loves to help the community and be around in the community it's
1: zeller's zeller's in lincoln city and in rose lodge don't miss an opportunity for some of the best climb shouter going
3: thank you very much
0: Mold, fire, biohazard, or water damage in Lincoln County? ServPro is your go-to solution. We specialize in fast, reliable restoration services. From fire damage to biohazard cleanup, we can handle it all. Call us today at 541-243-2946. Art. Art on the
1: beach. Do the two go together, Duncanberry? Oh yeah, like peanut butter and jelly. Duncan Berry is with the Cascade Head Biosphere Collaborative,
5: Art on the Beach, July 4th. What happens with Art on the Beach? Well, you know, uh, most of us just walk on the beach. We look at it as a canvas for art. And so what we do is we take rakes and big drawing tools and we do 100-yard long, that's a a football field, uh, size graphics uh, that talk about the place we live in and connect people to the ocean. But art is supposed to be in churches, museums, cathedrals, on the beach? I think art belongs everywhere. It enriches our lives, right? It it uh, We like to talk about it being lower in our bodies, right? And so we, we overuse our heads, and so art allows us to go into our heart and into our gut about issues that otherwise we're uh, just uh, thinking about, and we think it's... Uh, it's a way to communicate to people that really moves them. They're walking down the beach and they go, What is that? Hundred yard long octopus? What what do you mean Interdependence Day? Tell me about that.
1: So the artwork, the art piece, the canvas goes
5: up is done on the fourth of July. Fourth of July, yeah. We like to talk about you know independence from the crown uh, hundreds of years ago, but we also like to talk about interdependence. Uh, the ocean itself is uh, you know the, one of the reasons we live here, but two it has a lot of ways that we're connected. Uh, breathing is a, is a good one that produces seventy percent of the oxygen we breathe. It creates the weather patterns that give us rain, and how important is water? So we want to uh, talk about interdependence as much as independence on July Fourth. The event takes place on the beach
1: in front of Chinook Casino Resort. It is, has the backdrop
5: of the Cascade Head. Uh, what what a beautiful sight to start out with! Oh my gosh, yeah, uh, that and uh, we're on the shores of the Marine Reserve, the Cascade Head Marine Reserve. So this is a place where we've said, let the creatures rest for a little while and see how uh, well they come back and how healthy they can be if they don't, if they're not being predated on all the time. Yeah.
1: The Cascade Head Scenic Research Area is uh, the, the biosphere. Uh, it was set up how? in In how long does it continue?
5: Yeah, so the Cascade Head Biosphere Region was. Uh... <laughs> Uh, actually established uh, back in 1976, it was the brainchild of two unlikely uh, people. One was Leonid Brezhnev, who was the head of the Soviet Union, and Richard Nixon, who you'll remember. Um, And they got together and said, we should honor places that have great biological value, but also have people living in them. People belong there. This is our natural habitat as well. How they live there needs examining, and so they they provide 17 sustainable development goals and a whole format for a community. If they want to participate in the Man and Biosphere program with the UN, they give us a platform for making this a better place to live, work, and play. How does one become involved? Oh my gosh, there's so many ways. Uh, Cascadehead.org log in there take a look at what we're doing and then if you we we run on volunteers we're a rocket ship that's fueled by volunteers so there's a volunteer section in there contact us we'll uh, talk to you about how you can get involved uh things that you are interested in uh as well as what we need uh in the biosphere and yeah we're we're uh we're propelled by you so There there are a number of biospheres all over the world, but not all of that many in the U.S., correct? Yeah, exactly. So there's uh, over 600 worldwide. Uh, And again, these are places where people are living in sensitive and beautiful places. Uh, In Costa Rica, it's uh, the number one contributor to their GNP. Here, you're lucky if you can find somebody that knows <laughs> that we have them. Uh, I think that's a lot because we believe in our national parks. But these are very different than national parks. So there are, uh, what is it, I think 28 uh, nationally, and we are the only one in Oregon. So it's it's, very, it's something very special that Oregonians can take pride in. So come walk the canvas or beside the canvas or on the canvas and enjoy The uh,
1: Cascade Aid Biosphere Collaboration event this weekend, it uh, is on the 4th of July. What time should people look forward to being down here?
5: So we're going to get down quite early. The tide waits for no man or woman, so uh, it's a low tide at 830, and so that's the prime time to come down, grab a cup of coffee, come see us uh, on the beach. We'll be there until about 1030. It truly is better at the beach. And we
1: have a number of events forthcoming in the Greater Lincoln City Community. July 8th, the Bacon and Brew Festival at Chinook Winds Casino Resort, a fundraiser for a host of nonprofits in the Greater Lincoln City Community. July 8th, the annual Ocean Edge 5K Run, sponsored by the Lincoln City Parks and Rec. On the 15th of July, we're all going to go to Newburgh and celebrate Ed Johan. Ed is a former city councilman here in Lincoln City, but more importantly, celebrating his 100th birthday, he's a Pearl Harbor survivor. On the 15th, the Righteous Brothers come to Chinook Casino Resort. On the 16th, it's jazz out at Beachcrest Brewing. And in August, I'd like to remind everybody, the Sandcastle Building Contest, sponsored by Moe's, down in Southwest 51st Street in the Bay Area of Lincoln City. Lots of events for you, your family, your friends in and around Lincoln City.
0: You've been listening to The Double R Show. Join Roger and Paul Robertson as they explore everything about North Lincoln County. The Double R Show, produced by Always Productions and hosted by Roger Robertson. Have a story? Email contact at alwaysproductions.com or call 458-201-3039. For The Double R Show, I'm Jana Gron.